Welcome to The Breakdown, where we dig deeper into Sunday sermon, talk about life, and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Hey, welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. I am here with Nick. Hey, 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 guys. Good to be back again on The Breakdown. What a joy it is to have this podcast, have a chance to connect with you guys. Yep. And to talk to Brennan, too. I like yeah. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy our break from, you know, staring at a computer screen the majority yeah. of the day and coming yeah. and actually talking to a real human. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's nice. Um, yeah, so we're, uh, this is the second part of a new series called Keeping Score. That's it. And uh, I'm excited to jump into this. But before we do so, I got a couple of questions. And um, I guess as a word of precaution, um, this may bore people. But I'm interested, and I think other people would be interested too, because it kind of gives a background of who you are. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, a couple of weeks ago, you maybe I, maybe it was a month ago or two months ago, you gave this um, this told this story about how people view you as like unapproachable sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you give up this this vibe. I don't know if it's just the way you look. Well, that's on purpose. I don't want anybody to approach me. That's that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> so I, I want to show people that. That you're you're nerdy. Right? I'm nerdy, man. I'm I'm a full on nerd. Yeah, you don't much. just you're not just like this super macho man who runs twenty miles just a day. Just a regular dude, man. Yeah. That's it. Just come. I hope that everybody will get that picture of me. And hopefully, if you're around me long enough, you come to view me that way. Of like, hey, man, just just another guy, and uh, you know, I'm a nobody telling everybody about somebody. Yep, that's, that's it. perfectly stated. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you show that a couple of times in your sermon with, you know, looking at the Greek and Hebrew, and uh, but that that may not, you know, show as much to people. They're like, oh, he just knows a couple of biblical sure. languages. That's, that's, <laughs> but it's impressive. So um, I got a couple of questions about college. You know, um, so the first one. What was your favorite course in college, specifically first in undergrad? What was your, mm. or tell us about your undergrad. Yeah. Where'd you go? Yeah, yeah. So I went to what used to be called Run of Bible College, which was in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. A lot of people think it's in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, and it's not. It's in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. It was called Roanoke Bible College because the, the, the Roanoke the Roanoke colonies are there, the Roanoke colony, which was you know, one of the original colonies of oh, okay. people who came over, yeah. you know, from England. And there was also like basically a Roanoke County there is the way you kind of think of it. And they had a loose association of churches, our Christian churches, that planted churches. Hmm. So out of that, they also founded the college. That's cool. And so that's why it was called Roanoke Bible College. But then now it's Mid-Atlantic Christian University, you know, anyway, they changed the name. So that's where I did my undergrad, uh, a great experience, very small school, got to play basketball and all that kind of stuff there because it was a small school, yeah. so I could make the team <laughs> and uh, had a lot of fun. My friends, you know, so many friends that uh, I went there with my best friend from high school. I got to go to college with him and man, we had an amazing experience really, really a special time in my life. And and yeah, as far as my favorite class, I don't know, there's a lot of them, but uh, one of my favorite classes was restoration history. Uh, that was taught by the president of the college, William Griffin. Uh, we called him WAG because his initials were William A. Griffin. So we <laughs> called him WAG, but uh, WAG taught that and just a great, great learning opportunity 
and you know, back then it felt like WAG had been alive since you know Mark Devin <laughs> Stone and and Thomas and Alexander Campbell were around. So uh, we always kind of joked around about that. But man, he he forgot. He's forgotten more than I'll ever know. So it was a real joy to sit under him. Always loved you know classes like Acts and things like that that we would take. And um, I back then I was training for youth ministry, so a lot of my focus as well and counseling. I had a double minor in in youth ministry and counseling. Everybody at Roanoke Bible College majored in Bible. Yeah. So you don't, that's, that's your major, yeah. but your minors could be different things. And mine was youth ministry and counseling. I loved my counseling professor, Dr. Melvin Steins. And he taught me a lot of good things, you know, on the counseling side. I'm, I'm a terrible counselor, but, uh, <laughs> but he, you, you learned a lot. But I learned a lot. My <laughs> wife is the counselor. And so generally when people come to me, I'm always glad to meet with somebody, but I quickly refer uh, when people need ongoing counseling, because yeah. I know I'm not great at it. And there's people in our community, we have not just my wife, but other people in our church that uh, are great certified counselors that do this day in and day out, yeah. and they are awesome and love the Lord. And so anyway, that's my undergrad story. Okay. Um, what about maybe your most tedious class? Maybe oh, not least favorite, but yeah, one yeah. that was like... Oh, I'm man. sure I had the least favorite. I'm, yeah. I'm not afraid to call it that. Um <laughs> And I don't know. That's a good question. I, I'm trying to think back. We took, you know, I had some like English type classes that we yeah. had to take, which I kind of like English. And so they were good. I, I like the reading part of that. Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy the, you know, all the minutia of punctuation and oh, all that kind of stuff. Preaching, um, man. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and I've had to get better at it through yeah. the years, but I, I did not. It's my wife's bread and butter because she was an English teacher before right. she was a counselor. Yeah. So she loves all that stuff. And she loves to point out when I've done something wrong. Yeah. So I've had to get better at it <laughs> so that I would not be constantly berated for, you know, not putting an apostrophe in the correct place. Maybe I should take that and learn from that too. Dude, cause... you got to, man. I mean, I'll tell you what, that's a growth area for a lot of yeah. pastors because I think a lot of us, we kind of mail it in on that and, and over the years, you know, you hear it from church members as well, like, oh, well, this was wrong in the bulletin. And, you know, yeah. at some point you're like, I probably, or this is wrong in that email that you sent out to the entire church. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, man, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So, yeah, those are all growth opportunities. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, real quick, what about uh, you have your master's? Yeah. So you, yes. you went to Johnson uh, University, right? Yeah. And I was able to do almost all of that online. Okay. So, you know, they really have a program that's built around, you know, guys like me that are already in full-time ministry yeah. and can't, you know, go to Tennessee and live there for two years. So you really, you complete that over, I want to, did it take me, I want to say it's a three or a five-year process. Thankfully, it's been long enough now that I don't remember. <laughs> All the scars have started to heal. Yeah, yeah. I want to say it was a five-year process. That seems like a lot, but anyway, maybe it's four years. So over that span of time, you know, it's kind of spread out and you're able to get it done. I want to say maybe it is five. And you do that online and you have you still have a lot of interaction with professors and yeah. all those kinds of things. But I was basically able to go to campus for orientation and graduation. There you go. Not not really graduation because I didn't go to graduation, but um, I went to you, know, you have this what's called Pew Week, Preaching Emphasis Week 
go there, you do all the stuff that's around your preaching side of my degree, mm -hmm. and then you present, you know, big paper and yeah. you have to defend it and do all that kind of stuff. So, so would you, would you, my question would be, would you write your, your paper on your thesis or did you? Yeah, uh, it was John, what is it? John five. And I was talking about, uh, is that Jesus and Nicodemus? I always so. confuse those chapters. Uh, but it was Jesus's interaction with Nicodemus and about Numa, about the word for spirit. Like and, you know, he goes into that. I, we won't bore the podcast with all the details <laughs> about that. But there's kind of a double meaning of that word, the way it's used there. And so I that's what I approached like was that a couple of chapters, not chapters, verses. So. so the final question to this little set is. If for whatever reason you were to go back to get your your doctorate, your Ph.D., mm. What would you focus on? Mm. What would be like your dream focus? Yeah, on? that's an easy thing. It'd, it'd be leadership. Mm. It's leadership. Okay. I, I always, you know, for me, I, I, I believe that, I mean, I can always get better as a preacher. I can always get better in biblical knowledge. I yeah. want to continue to grow in those things. I have lots of room to grow in those areas. But I just think leadership for me is one of those areas that, you know, in any way, that I can learn more, grow more, you know, hear from people that are further down the line in leadership than I am. Yeah. Um, that's a growth area for me. I like it. So that's what I would do. So look, now I'm just very relatable to everybody. They know all of the background. And yeah, they know why you do what you do, man. I mean, it, it helps connect some dots. So maybe people won't see you as this unapproachable guy. They'll just see you as... This big nerd. But just a big, you know, <laughs> theological nerd. Hey, I'm right there with That's you. It. So I'm, I'm we'll have to ask you those same questions next week because yeah. I know we'll be tight on time today now that I've talked so much. We'll do that. Good. But we want to hear your background too. That helps. That helps for next week. So That's it. That's already planning. built in. You're welcome. Yeah. So <laughs> we talked um, now this sermon series, Keeping Score. Um, this past Sunday, we talked about. Uh, this idea of open-handed living. Mm -hmm. And our text was from Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 11. I'm not going to read it, but kind of give us a synopsis. Because sure. really the, the passage is probably unfamiliar to most people. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're just skimming over the Bible, you're probably not going to stop at Deuteronomy 15. You know, Deuter Deuteronomy is uh, is where all good Bible reading plans go to die, yep. right? You know, people get to Deuteronomy and it usually falls apart. They're Leviticus. They're Leviticus. <laughs> that's true. Leviticus would be a, a, a tie for number one yeah. on the list, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that really the focus of that text is the year of Jubilee, this year of basically the, every seven years. They were instructed, the Hebrew people, the, the early followers of God, were instructed to forgive their debts to one another, which is a pretty radical idea, yeah. you know, and, and I would say they're directed to forgive debts really in every way. You know, if, if they needed to forgive somebody, they needed to do that. If they had a, you know, a debt, a monetary debt, that was when it could be forgiven. Um, if they had crops, then they let their fields rest. The whole point of all of that, and it has a very simple point, is that they would learn and remember to trust God to believe that God would continue to provide for them if they would be living in faith enough to say, I can afford to forgive this debt. Yeah. I can afford to not plant this field because I know that the one who pays my bills ain't me, mm. it's the Lord, yeah. right? And so that seventh year being symbolic of completeness 
and you know tied into to the creation narrative and all this kind of stuff that we're trusting God and his provision in our life in every way. If we can trust him to create the universe, then we can trust him to have food in the eighth year if we rest in the seventh. Yeah, yeah. And and from what I've been studying this week, man, that life then, this, you know, agricultural society, it was tough. It was yeah. tough to plant and and prepare. They didn't have the weather channel to go and say, mm -hmm. hey, you know, we're not going to get rain for the next week, so mm -hmm. plan ahead. And so for them to not plan anything in that seventh year, that is – it's rough. A huge leap of faith. Rough. And of course, they would have stored up. Absolutely. They would have prepared. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that's not God saying, you're now not going to eat in the seventh year. Yeah. It's that reminder that from years one through six, you've had an opportunity to save and store up so that you can basically ride out the seventh year. But in that seventh year, you're going to focus and remember where mm -hmm. your provision comes from. Yeah. Right? It's, it's not the Lord saying... Now you get to just suffer for a year. Correct. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that there were challenges in yeah. that seventh year. You know, it's why when they would get, it's why the, you know, the writer here says, don't take this sinful attitude that says when you start getting close to year, you know, six or seven, well, I probably won't be lending, lending to anybody now because yeah. yeah. then I'm going to have to forgive it. Mm. You know, it says that's, that de literally defeats the whole purpose yeah. Of living in faith, yeah. of trusting God. And, you know, we read that and we think, why, how could they have such a sinful attitude? But then we think about our own lives and we think, well, I'd be exactly the same way. Exactly. Yeah. And Jesus, he even points out a similar kind of mindset in, um, in the Sermon on the Mount. He's mm -hmm. like, hey, these laws that you've been given do not murder. Mm -hmm. It's like, let me actually show you what that really means. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm after this this sinful habit, this sinful nature of yourself, and I want to extinguish that. Yeah. And and with this, God's like, hey, I want you to trust in me. Like, I want you to don't don't try to take the rule and bend it. Don't not give in the sixth year, so you have to forgive in the seventh. Like, I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to show you something. And and in your sermon, you gave us really two practical um, steps for us to do to be able to have this mindset of, of gratitude, of right. trust in God. And the first one you say is to take an inventory. And so uh, I love what you said. You said the first step in losing count of what uh, what we have given. Hold on. I just messed that up. It's okay. Uh, the first step in losing count of what we have given so that we can freely give and receive is to take inventory of all that God has given us mm -hmm. to acknowledge God's generosity and to live a life of thankfulness. So mm -hmm. let's, let's kind of break that down because I think, like you said, this is the first step in having this generous attitude towards others. Well, it's like the old hymn says, count your blessings, name mm -hmm. them one by one. Yeah. You know, it is very, very true that when you stop long enough to understand how much you have, it becomes much easier than to take on a generous spirit, to take on a giving spirit, and to be willing to step up into what God is calling you to do in faith. Yeah. You know, you were talking earlier about the Sermon on the Mount, and, and you make a great point that in every way in the Sermon on the Mount, people think about Jesus's life and his ministry of grace 
as a ministry of permissiveness. Hmm. And it's really in many ways the opposite of that. Yeah. Because you look at what he says, as you as you mentioned really quite well in the in the Sermon on the Mount, he ramps everything up. Yeah. Because what had happened is that you know the Hebrews had gotten to this place where, and this is where the Pharisees come in, okay, I can follow all of these rules really, really tightly, mm-hmm. and that makes me right with God. And here's God on earth saying to you, yeah, you can get all of these things legalistically right. You can come close on a lot of this stuff. You can follow this, you know, every jot and tittle. But if your heart's not right, if you don't get the bigger picture of this, then you've missed the whole point. Yeah. You can follow all kinds of rules, but then when you miss some of those major issues, you're totally off track, yeah. right? So I, I just say all that to say that doing something in a big picture standpoint, like stepping back, remembering that faith is important, remembering that trusting God is important, and remembering that everything that I have comes from God, not from me. That's the idea of, you know, I'm going to take stock. And and ultimately, for a passage in Deuteronomy, the land that they're plowing and, and developing was given to them. That's right. Like, they had to do very little except trust and obey mm-hmm. like god god made the way for them to be in you know the promised land or in any other land where they were you know building or or you know harvesting crops and so in a way god is saying hey take a step back look at what you've been given and give to others in the same way right like then and take care of one another you know people People shy away from these verses sometimes because they, they in some ways, can sound uh, communist. And uh, people, oh, yeah. will, people will hear this and they'll say, oh, okay, well, socialism. you know, yeah, socialism kind of mindset. And, you know, this isn't what that is. This is much more, though, about taking care of one another. Mm-hmm. And that is radically Christian. You know, that doesn't have anything to do with socialism. It has everything to do with, for us as a body of believers, we take care of one another. And the one another has grown beyond just us as Christ followers. One another is everyone. It's, it's everybody has a potential to come to Jesus. So everyone should receive that radical love. It's not only reserved for the Christian community. I think in many ways it should start with the Christian community. Yeah. But it better not end there. If it ends there, then the Christian com- community has gotten it wrong, Right. Just the way I see it, and and I think you know these these is these families of Israel, you know they didn't really have this mindset of it's all about the self, which I think you know we as Westerners do. You know mm-hmm. we're worried about ourselves. They had this family idea of we're going to take care of everything together, and that was so. Yeah, other nations had that. But like with this, with like the year of Jubilee, when they gave back these debts or they gave back these lands that had been taken from families because of debt or something like that, mm-hmm. that was weird mm-hmm. compared to other nations. I mean, you think of Rome, they tried to conquer all this land. Right. They weren't giving it back to nobody no, after no. seven years. Definitely. Like, so this, like God is showing them and reminding them of, of the generosity that he's given, that he's going to give mm-hmm. through Jesus. And we should have that same mindset to give generously, which kind of leads into our next, our second point that you made is you just said, find needs, meet needs. Yeah. This one's pretty simple. Yeah. But just 
tell us what it means. <laughs> yeah, find needs, meet needs. Yeah, it. well, no, that's a perfect, perfect opportunity for me to give my weekly, this is what Abby had to say about the sermon. There we go. This um, is our so segment. This is the, per, you know, after the fact when I can't fix it other than on the podcast. Yeah. So she said, well, Nick, this was a great opportunity to point out some really specific ways that people can give. And I thought, yeah, and I said to her, yeah, you're right. Partially, I ran out of time, but also, you know, my expectation was I can encourage people to find needs, meet needs, and they'll figure that out. Yeah. But I could have done a better job of reminding people that, you know, of the ways that our church, the things our church helps, whether it's iServe, uh, whether it's the foster care ministry that we host here, um, you know, going and serving folks in Athens that are homeless. We, we have all of these opportunities that are part of what our church does. So those are opportunities. Serving in our church is an opportunity yeah. right now, as always, most of the time anyway. We have a great need in our children's ministries, in our you know um, nursery ministry for volunteers. These are ways you can find needs and meet needs. Yeah. They don't only revolve around, well, I'm going to go serve homeless people. Yeah. That's a positive thing. But finding needs and meeting needs is a part of this kind of living right? Like I talked about throughout the sermon, an open-handed living. You know, we, we have people in our church that show this through the way they open up their home. Uh, we, we just, uh, as a church uh, small group, got to go and, you know, spend time at the Reynolds house and had a big fireworks thing. And it was a lot of fun and families together. That's somebody who's saying, this is a need. There's a need for community and fellowship. And yeah. so I'm going to open my home to that. So she was right. Abby was right. I could have done a better job of giving some very specific ways yeah. people could get connected to that. So that's one of the reasons the podcast exists. Because I can fix Picture. all the things Abby wanted me to fix in the sermon yeah. after the fact. I, and I kept thinking, I mean, it's so easy to talk about money and, and right. generosity. Yes. Um, and, and so my mind went back and I'm currently retaking the, the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace course. Yep. And the last step is to give generously yeah um but what i was thinking was it takes intentionality to do that you know if you are a person who is constantly getting yourself in debt because of poor choices obviously it's going to be harder for you to give generously sure and so money wise and so we as christians need to steward our gifts as far as whether that's money or the gifts god has given us like you said serving mm -hmm. to steward them well to make time to serve and to give generously. Um, that's what really kind of stuck out to me is we all have gifts. We might not all have money to give generously, but we all have gifts. Sure. And we need to prioritize the time in which we give those gifts. Well, and giving so. generously financially is relative to each individual person. Yeah. You know, everybody can afford to give generously. Mm -hmm. But your, your level of generosity may not be the same as mine, and mine may not be the same as somebody else's. Exactly. But everybody can say, I can give sacrificially. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's what we're called to. You know, we could have a whole conversation about tithing and New Testament practices and all this. I, I think the long story short of this is that the New Testament, we very much see sacrificial giving being the thing that's put at the forefront. Yeah. And I'll also say, this was the point that Abby made in our conversation post-sermon, remind them that giving is not just financial. And and I mean, I didn't make a big emphasis on that in the message either. So and she wasn't really saying that, but just, you know, hey, don't forget, 
yes, you should give financially. That that goes without saying. But you give time yeah. and talent and treasure. And all of those things are integral to a truly open-handed living kind of life. Yeah, I, I was talking with uh, an individual this morning, and we we're talking about discipleship and talking about, you know, why why do people find it difficult mm-hmm. to disciple other people? And I was like, man, I, I think the majority is time. You know, it takes a lot of time to disciple somebody. You have to make an effort uh, to carve out some kind of time to meet with them, to have them in your life. And so... Uh, I'm glad you mentioned time because that's one of the commandments we've been given by Jesus is to make disciples and we can do it generously. You know, if we're willing to give up the time um, for maybe some things that we like to do or include people in the things that we like to do, you know, you're giving up your time to be in solitude, but that's a way that we can be generous to others and help meet the needs of other people. It's the Jubilee year principle, right? It's the, all of this comes from God. And it's my opportunity or my responsibility to steward it. I'm, I'm just a steward of my life, right? My life as a Christian is not my own. And that is not easy for people these days to hear in our modern society. Well, my life is my own and I'm a self-made man or woman. And, you know, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And that becomes very much our mentality. So we have to fight against that. Say, My life is not my own. It belongs to the Lord, right? I died with Christ yeah. and I'm risen with him. And so if that is true and I'm no longer who I was, I am I am one with Christ now. And so my life is given over to him in every way. Again, easy to say, yeah. hard to live out. And I think that was the beauty of how you ended the message was the only way that we can give graciously is through the gospel. Yeah. Like it's impossible to get out of the mindset of of it's all about me. I'm a you know self-made man, like you said, without understanding what Jesus did for us Mm. and having that really be the foundation of everything we do. Right. Yes. It's the only thing that gives us the ultimate strength, power, motivation to actually live that out because otherwise we're going to sink back into ourselves. Mm. We're going to sink back into our humanistic nature that says, like I said, you know, it's all me, mine hands clenched as I showed many times in the message And, you know, instead of the open-handed living that says, Lord, it's all yours. You use it however you want. My hands are open. You just put them to work. And I I bet, you know, the the people in Deuteronomy 15 had a hard time with not planning that that last year. It's like, oh, man, you're taking away the control that I have to this when, you know, in reality, there is God is in control. Well, and and you and I were talking pre-sermon or pre-podcast about the agrarian society, right? The thing that they would have come to understand, even if it was, you know, maybe not fully understood, is that resting those fields yeah. were actually going was actually going to lead to a much better harvest yeah. in the years forward. Hmm. And if they had kept planting that yeah. field and not skipping that seventh year, they actually would have limited their harvest over the long term. Yeah. This is oh, by the way a purposeful biblical (laughs) principle that God is teaching us in his infinite wisdom that unless we see the bigger picture, we would otherwise miss. That's so good. Yeah. All right. I think that kind of wraps up uh, the sermon. Awesome. What you looking forward to, man? What am I looking forward to? Uh, Man, I tell you, I am, 
looking forward to Wednesday nights. We talked about that a little bit last week, so that's still in the forefront of my mind. Um, looking forward to finishing out this sermon series, even though I'm loving it, uh, and jumping into the next one we've got going. You, you know, it's always kind of looking forward in this role of, hey, here's where we're going. Um, looking forward to our preschools launch into our new yeah. building. Uh, that's a huge part of our vision of where we're going as a church. And so that's coming to fruition in August. So I know that was a kind of a scatter shot, but those are all kinds of the things that are bouncing around in my head right now. So how about you, man? Um, I am beginning, uh, or actually, well, beginning my master's paper yeah. and finishing my master's degree. And yeah. so I'll be done with it August 12th, count down the days. But man, I've dived into the research portion and my mind has just been blown. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so cool how God has orchestrated and tied in um, the importance of family and the roles in which he's given us, um, whether that's gender or by age, like so neat to see that. Mm -hmm. And so to try to apply that, take those principles from scripture and apply that to today's um, context has been fun. Yes. And I'm enjoying that. So I'm excited to get that done. I'm not excited to do the grammar and punctuation and all that yeah. like we talked about earlier. Uh, but yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm looking forward to most. Um, you know, like you, excited for Wednesdays. I'll be teaching, uh, going through a small group about parenting. Sweet. Not that I'm an expert in any way, but um, I'm excited to get around other parents and bounce ideas off of their, their head and people that are more seasoned than me. So I'm excited for that. But awesome um, as always excited for next week for the podcast yeah, so, it's awesome brother but that's it for today we are excited and thankful that you've listened uh, and we hope you have a good day thanks guys see ya